Hello and welcome to the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Johnny McFarlane and as ever, I'm joined by Scott McDermott. Today we're going to look back over the 2-2 draw of St. John's at McDermott Park. Then we've got a very special guest in Andy Newport, who was obviously on last week as well. He is back and he's in Portugal He's currently in the press conference with Stephen Gerrard, but when he comes out, he's going to give us an update on how that went, and we're going to chat over both the first leg and the upcoming second leg. Scott, we're going to have to start with uh, Sunday's game against St. Johnson. The death knell has been sounded on Rangers' title challenge. That is it. It is over. Now, I think we felt that it was over last week and probably even the week before, but this is certainly it. Let's start with the defence. Is there a case for the defence or do you have to look at this pairing of of Goldson and Katic, a pairing that we have praised to the hill and ask, what were they thinking moment after moment in that game where high balls caused them severe problems? Quite unlike them, you might say, but since that winter break, we have seen them being uh, disrupted, upset by that kind of rudimentary Scottish football staple, the high ball, and then challenging for the second ball. What What's going on? I've got no idea, Johnny, um, is the honest answer, because, as you say, this partnership of Goldson and Katic, uh, I think at the start of this season, if you'd have asked most Rangers fans, they would have said that was their preferred partnership um, when Katic was left out of the side last season. A lot of punters were... No, screaming for him to get back in, that he'd been unfairly treated, um, that it was this no, high-class, young, um, emerging centre-back. And to be honest, there have been times this season, <coughs> excuse me, but you've thought that was going to be the case. Obviously, the best example of that was at the, the Old Firm one at Celtic Park, where he scored a goal and looked really solid, really assured, No, really... Disciplined and no aggressive, with a bit of, bit of control. No, he looked the real deal, and obviously we all know at that point, Rangers looked as if they were well on their way. Uh, no, to to putting in a serious challenge to Celtic. What's happened since then to the whole team? Uh, I've said before, has been pretty unfathomable. I'm sure Stephen Gerrard behind closed doors will feel the same, feel the same way. But just in terms of that centre back pairing on Sunday. I mean, two centre-halves who can't deal with a straight ball down the middle, can't deal with a high ball. Uh, first rule for any young kid, I'm talking at you know, 10, 11-year-old, don't let the ball bounce first, go and attack it. Neither of them seemed capable of doing that. Uh, Goldson is meant to be the communicator in that back two. I didn't see any of that, even when Katic was having a rough time. I didn't see Goldson coming to the fore, no speaking to his man, his partner, no trying to sort it out. Didn't see any of that. Goldson has probably escaped most of the flack, but I think as much as Katic was particularly bad on the day, no Goldson wasn't wasn't far behind him. And for the guy who who is the experienced guy, twenty seven years old, played in the Premier League, he's Gerard's go to guy. So disappointing on Sunday, and no, it's hard to criticise. Listen, you can look at Steven Gerrard and you no know, different things he's done since the winter break. In terms of you no know, teams that he's picked, changes that he's made, 
But when players are so off for him, so not at it for a vital game, I mean, this is a group of players who have been saying in press conferences for the last four weeks that uh, they can't afford any more slip-ups. And literally two days after they say this, they go and slip up again. Um, unforgivable, really, that, that defensive performance, given given what's at stake. It feels like we're getting to a stage now where this is going to be a topic for the next 10 years. When we sit down with the the Ryan Jacks when he's 36, 37, we'll be saying, what happened? Yeah. What, what happened? Is It's becoming that big a collapse that it's hard to fathom. Now, let's let's drill into the detail of, of, of why we think there, there might have been this issue. I, I think it's complex and multi-layered. To me, Morelos has come back looking unfit, not looking sharp, and he's had all these personal problems off the pitch, so it's a combination of those factors. You've got a guy who scored 29 goals before the, the winter break. After the winter break, I think he's got one in seven or one in eight. Um... He's just gone completely off the boil. Yep. And I think it was fascinating when I was watching back the highlights because I didn't watch the game. Uh, unfortunately, I had something else on. You saw Morelos go through a fairly rudimentary chance. He blasts it over the bar. Steven Gerrard's reaction, Scott, it was absolutely apoplectic with yep. rage. He, 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 and he took him off I'm literally seven, uh, 70 or 80 seconds later. Yep. Gary, was, Gary McAllister was the same. If you watch that clip, Gerrard... Is raging, and you see McAllister in the background. I think if you read these lips, it's like, oh, come on, buff, or something, something like that. Yeah. He's angry about it as well. And I think, listen, every striker you know, misses chances. Morelos is no different. But I think you're right. I think Gerard now, since the break, no, or when you think of Morelos' form since the break, Gerard's actually losing a wee bit of patience with him. And it wasn't just. No, as you say, the missed chance, it was the way he missed it, it was so... It was rash. It was rash, it was It was lazy almost. Mm. No, he gets in and go and just has a lash at it. Now, I know a lot of Morelos' finishes come for that power and that kind of... No, he's like that, he's a kind of brutal finisher. He does just want to blast it by the keeper. And, no, he's obviously scored goals like that. But when you consider, when you think back to some of the finishes that he's come up with, no, you think Porto, home game... The finish into the bottom corner for the edge of the box. You think eh, Aberdeen away, eh, he scored a lovely side foot goal into the bo- bottom corner. So he's capable of having that no that cool head in those moments. Um, but he's not at it at the minute. Um, How do you think he looked physically? You were there at the game. I'd does he look? Does he look the same? Because I think he looks a little bit. Maybe he's carrying a few more pounds than I'm he was. I'm not sure. You, you've mentioned that. I, I think it's difficult to difficult to say. Mm. Certainly something's not right. I mean, we, we said on here last week, but you think of the player that you know, destroyed Feyenoord's defence and Porto's defence and you no, know, they couldn't live with him. Um, and yeah, he's in a game on Sunday. No, with all due respect, up against Jamie McCartan, uh, Jason Kerr, and he was he was struggling. Um he had a poor game again. Although what I would say is, I actually thought middle to front on Sunday. No, given it was a poor pitch. Yeah. Middle to front, they actually did okay. I mean, I've been one of Ryan Kent's biggest critics uh, in the last couple of months. But I actually thought, no, certainly first half, he was Rangers' best player, best attacking player. He was doing what you would want him to do. He was beating his man. He was getting crosses in. He was getting a shot off. 
know, he was finding space, getting into dangerous areas. So that side of it was was actually okay. But when you when you genuinely look vulnerable, <laughs> not only not only in general defensively, Rangers were actually looking vulnerable defensively from their own corners. I mean, the, the shape a Rangers team on Sunday out of possession was as bad as I've ever seen it. And what I mean by that is when Rangers were getting a corner or a free kick and the St. Johnson half an attacking free kick or, or a corner, it, no, you were wondering whether they were going to get hit on the, the counter-attack, which you could very rarely say about this Rangers team under Gerrard. No, the coaching staff that he's got there, no, Beal and, and Coulson, people like that, they've been so well drilled like, out, out of possession. And yet on Sunday, it was like so far removed from the best Rangers defensive performances under Gerrard. And I think that'll be a real worry because, as I say, free kicks and corners, if Rangers didn't get anything from it, St. Johnson were clearing their lines and suddenly they, they, had, an, they had an attack. And that's, you just can't do that. Okay. <laughs> we kind of got way laid there. I was trying to make three points of why I think that uh, Rangers are, are struggling. Number one is Morelos in his form. Number two is disruption by injury and form to the fullbacks. Uh, James Tavernier's had a rare injury layoff. Borna Barisic has been in and out. And as I've said before in the pod, I do think those players are absolutely key to the way Rangers play. And Rangers don't have depth in those areas for the kind of like-for-like swap you would want to make in in those situations. Andy Halliday is a good, solid squad man who you want to have about the place, but I'm not sure you want him as your go-to replacement left-back when a flyer, one of the best players in the league like Borna Barisic, goes out, it's such a downgrade. So that would be the second point. And I think the, the, the third point that, that you have to look at is there's this issue with regarding to break, breaking down these teams lying in these defensive low blocks. Now, this was something that looked like Rangers had solved. I was never really fully convinced, but I was starting to be more and more as we got into November and December, that that had been put to one side. But once again, in this post-winter break, we've seen teams get a lot more success in doing that. Defensively lying low and just hitting with pace on the counter. And you saw St. Johnson. St. Johnson, listen, Tommy Wright is a very, very, very clever tactician. One of the best in the league. And he always manages to exploit weaknesses in Rangers. I've seen it over the last five or six years. Always does brilliantly at doing that. And I just felt he got it tactically spot on in that game. He knew exactly how to get it, Rangers. And here's the worst criticism I could give them. It reminded me of the worst of the Warburton era. It's that tippy-tappy, side-to-side on a terrible pitch, just slightly above academy football, lots of nice players on the ball who just don't really look like they fancy the battle. And they can do the the, the nice stuff, but see when it comes to the nitty-gritty of Scottish football, they're rough and tumble. Um, they just were not capable of standing up to it. And, and I've said before in this pod, I worry that from Rangers' point of view, they've gone more towards a technical team at the worst possible time. Yep. As much as I admire Hadji as a player, and I think he'll add in the final third, and I think he's been a good signing, I do feel like in January, they might have been better advised to go after a couple of players as well who had the grit and the dig and the experience to just add to that squad. Yep. Um, now, I know Rangers wanted to trim the squad. They wanted to prune it back. 
I think that is looking with hindsight like a mistake. Yeah. And I think they should have gone in and got a couple of experienced lads. What, what's your take on those I, three points? Well, I think it's hard to disagree with any of them. Um, I agree about the fullbacks. Um, I mean, Rangers are now in a situation where they're looking at their best when they're having Joe Aribo at left back. I mean, how did it get to that? It's because point? he's the only one that's in that squad that can replicate the quality going forward. The Barisic, yeah. So that's a that's a problem. <laughs> um, no, Flanagan is right out of the picture. No, uh, Andy Halliday's obviously next in line. I agree. I like Andy Halliday. No, he's a good squad, good guy to have in the squad. But you're asking him to do the job of Barisic, given where Barisic's form was. Uh, leading up to the winter break, very difficult. No, there's a big, or there seems to be a big, uh, a big drop. Tavernier has obviously had the injury, but has come back, and I don't think has looked at it either. That's what I mean. I felt like he's dropped I out form-wise. Was, I actually thought it was really poor in the Braga home game before, before Rangers eventually get the got the comeback well, on the first half. He Scott, was, see, in fairness with that, right? I sometimes think we as journalists tend to. Uh, dive in with criticism of players when they're not fit. You know, like, I think players deserve the chance to have two or three games to come back and get themselves up to full fitness. And I, I think it's very rare to have a player come back from injury and be right at it. Yeah. Because they've had, a bit of, they've had a bit of time off. They're not quite as switched on mentally to the game as they would be if they'd been playing. On top of that, you've got the physical trauma of having an operation and all that. And I do think players like that deserve a bit of time. The problem is that Rangers... When the rest of the team is malfunctioning, yeah. they don't necessarily get the time to do that. I think that you can apply that to Barisic and Tavernier. And I think that is such a key fundamental in why Rangers have not been performing. But it's also why, for me, Steven Gerrard, as much as I admire him, and I think absolutely Rangers should keep him around, I think he's made a mistake in not having another formation. Rangers, yep. we've talked about it before, are far too easy to work out. You know what they're going to do. Yep. They might do that so well that you lose, but you know what they're going to do. I yeah, think and, and a also, big... Sorry, just, just, that yeah. po- just that point. Also, you have that that specified formation and you make a point of stressing how the two fullbacks are the most arguably the most crucial part of that yeah. formation. So you're right. When you when no, it's difficult enough losing one fullback. When you suddenly lose both of them, and you know you've not got adequate enough replacements, I agree. You need to you need to change it up. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't just hope that no, well, the players know the system. If I just slot him in there, slot him in there, everything will work the way it was going to work. So you're right. It's the, I think the big thing that Celtic did when they wait, they came back from the break. Obviously, they came back with a bit between the teeth. They're going to bulldoze this league until they get their chance to go against Rangers again. But I can't stress enough how much I think this 3-5-2 really has been a big factor in their success because teams have taken up till now to even get close to working out. Derek McInnes in the 2-1 game got all over that. He finally worked out, right, this is how we play against this. And Celtic had the, the, the strength of mind, the intelligence, tactical intelligence during the game through Neil Lennon to change it. And he went back to the 4-3-3 and all of a sudden Aberdeen couldn't cope with that. Yeah. Now, do I think that 3-5-2 will last the whole season in terms of without Celtic starting to hiccup? No, I don't. But the crucial thing is, 
that it changed the narrative at the be- the point where the narrative needed changing for Celtic. Of course. It confused teams, and the quality, combined with the fact that teams didn't have a plan for the 3-5-2, meant that Celtic went through a period there where they just bulldozed everybody. For me, Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale deserve a little bit of measured criticism about the fact that they don't have another plan. They don't have a, a change to go to. Um, but what but what I would say, Johnny, is on December 29th, if you'd have said Rangers need to have another system or they need to have another shape, people would have laughed at you because at that moment in time, mm. Celtic at Celtic Park struggled to deal with that system and Rangers Rangers were bulldozing everyone else in the league bar a draw at Tynecastle and a draw at Aberdeen. Where I think the mistake has been, as you say, they've come back, they looked lethargic, uh, they looked predictable in those first couple of games, Ross County, St Mirren at home, even I think warning signs were there, especially with Morelos being out, Tavernier injury. At that point, he needed a change, no, or, or he at least needed to have a change in mind so that they could go to it at any point, but it's too late now. It's. I mean, obviously, Camberry's came into the. Uh, Camberry's came to the fore in the last couple of weeks. You no, know, they go two up front on Sunday, and suddenly they look like a different, uh, a different proposition. But it's too late. The warning signs were there after the winter break that they needed to to change it up if these guys were going to be missing, and if certain players were going to be struggling for a better form. Um, so I agree. There should have been some kind of plan B, but it should have been done. I don't. I, I wouldn't argue that they needed it prior to the winter break, but I think warning signs were there at the start that they were going to need to change it up at some point, and they've they've not done it and they've paid the price. I said to you off here before we came on. I wonder if Stephen Gerrard now regrets not going for that experienced defender. We know Martin Scuttle was linked heavily with the club. Uh, the start of last season, and and there was there was mutterings and murmurings as well at the start of this season that maybe he was somebody we'd look to bring in. Is that a case that Rangers are just missing Philip Hollander, or do you think they need a thirty-five-year-old grizzled, no-nonsense leader who's been over the course before? Because maybe as much as a lot of us think Goldson is a decent player, I've had this theory about Goldson since the beginning of, of him, him signing for Rangers is that he has nine nine games in a row where he's seven point five out of ten and they'll have the 10th, which is 5 out of 10. And sometimes those games just come back and cause you real problems if you're, if you're I, in a I, title race. I'm not sure they needed the, the old Grizzly centre-back. I know where you're coming from, but when you look at Rangers' four centre-backs, you know, they've got an experienced Swedish international that's played in Serie A, who they bought for 4 million quid. They've got Conor Goldson at 27. No, granted, no, no loads of experience, but... Decent experience in England. He's played in the Premier League. Again, three million quid signing. Um, who adapted very well in his first his first year. Then you've got Katic, who's a Croatian under twenty one international, played at the Euros in the summer for his for his country. Uh no, showed promise last year, if not a bit rougher in the edges. And then Edmondson, another young centre back. A develop a, a developing player, but who gives them something a bit different. I think when you look at the makeup of these fo- those four centre backs, 
I think Gerard would feel justified in thinking he had enough this season. He should have had enough. I mean, Celtic don't have a grizzly 35-year-old centre-back. I mean, you could argue Ayer as much as he's playing, uh, no, playing with the Norwegian national team. Now he's still young, still a developing player. Simunovic, who, no credit to Neil Lennon, has been getting the best out of him when it looked as if he was going to be very flaky in and out, a bit injury-prone. And Julian, granted... No, spent seven million pound on him, but he's come in his first season in Scottish football, and no, you need to take your hats off to him and and say he's adapted. He seems to have bought into the no, what's at stake for Celtic. <coughs> he's bought into the manager. Um, he's also he's, scored crucial. And he goals. scored crucial goal. He's been a vital player for them. And no, you're talking about centre backs, and you're saying you've outlined. No, I'll try to outline the reasons why uh, Rangers have this collapse. And as I've said, it's hard to disagree with anything that you've said. But no, the question that you haven't answered is why? No, where has the desire and the hunger and the emotion gone for these players? That that's what I don't get. I know I keep getting back to it. And you can argue all you like about Morelos being off form, Tavernier being injured. Whatever you like, systems, formations, nothing can explain why, just as one example, when you look at that first goal on Sunday, when Katic knocks a ball up in the air and he's toiling. Goldson doesn't... Why is Goldson yeah, no, no busting a gut? Yeah, 100%. I mean, again, no, first rule for defenders, spot the danger, deal with the danger first. He's, he's, looking, he's turning his head looking back at the guy in the middle thinking, well, I've got my man, it's fine. That's what he's thinking. He didn't, he didn't sense the danger. He didn't. He, I don't think that he was abdicating responsibility. Didn't, sen- didn't sense the danger at all. He just didn't sense the danger. Should have been busting a gut to get over there. And that's what I find uh, inexplicable. about that, that. I mean, Celtic go to St. Johnson and blitz them in the first half, 3-0 up after 20 minutes. Game's finished. Rangers, no, haven't come back with that same ruthlessness, that same edge, um, that real fire in the belly to go and no grab this title by the the scruff of the neck. And as you say, you can talk about all the you know, the physical elements to it. Whether players are good enough, whether players are fit enough, but ultimately, you no, know, mentally, wait, you no, know, why are these players come back? and can't find the hunger or the desire or the determination to to go and battle and go and fight for a title. That, that to me, when Stephen Gerrard goes to his bed at night, that'll be the thing he thinks about most. Why is that not there anymore? Yeah, I, I do think there's another element to this, which is Rangers have a number of good players. The good work that Stephen Gerrard has undoubtedly done in the transfer market will see Rangers uh, in a good position in the years to come. I think Joe Aribo is a terrific prospect project player. Uh, I think that Ryan Kent is a terrific project player. I think Nikola Katic is a good pros- project player. Same for George Edmondson. There's a lot of these guys who I think in future will be real good assets for Rangers. The difference between Rangers and Celtic, though, is that Celtic's non-project players, the star guys... If you just look at their stats, the James Forrests of this world, um, Odson Edward to me, I know there's a lot of uh, hype around Odson Edward, and I think he is a terrific player, 
but his stats are no different from Morelos's. Morelos's are better, actually. So, um, you know, that's not that's not a comparison for me that, that, that Rangers should have to worry about. But it's the, the James Forrest of this world, it's the Scott Browns of this world, the Callum McGregors, the Ryan Christie's. Now, Scott Brown's not going to have a lot of stats to back it up. But what he does have is that experience, that know-how, that game management. Of course he does. Um, these other guys, though, are just nailing the numbers, the grind. And I think Rangers, uh, talented young guys who are just coming through, the likes of Aribo and that, they're as good as anything Celtic have, arguably better. But they don't have those guys around them to the same extent that are performing to that same extent in the key areas. And to me, that's the difference. Rangers should sign up Hadji. I think he's a terrific young player. But they also need, and I've been saying this for a long time, Scott, they need two guys in wide to central attacking areas who they can rely on to get them through a hole week in, week out. And now I think they need another (laughs) centre-half. Someone... (laughs) And I I listen, I take your point on board what you're saying, but if you look at the goals Rangers have lost since the break, let's go back to Hearts, right? By the way, that is looking like the worst result of Gerrard's reign. The fact that he had Jeremy Defoe up front, a guy who has no pace up against that high line, Ryan Kent should have started up front in that game. They should have played the fastest three players and Rangers would have run riot against Hearts. Um, so that looks like a real tactical mistake. I'm sure he would hold his hands up to say that now because let's be honest, every other team in the Premier League that's played the Premiership that's played uh, Hearts has totally exploited ru- exploited and run yeah. riot on that that high line. Um, but if you look at the, the goals that were lost, Glenn Kamara makes a mistake. Connor Goldson slips two big individual errors. Goal from Stephen Naismith. Um, their winner uh, Joe Aribo doesn't get close to Liam Boyce. The ball deflects off Borna Barisic. I'm not blaming Barisic, but I blame Aribo for not getting close to him. Now, go back through the goals against Kilmarnock. I'm not going to go and go through every every team, but there's a lot of individual errors there. I look at Braga, and we'll get onto that in a minute. The two goals they lost against Braga as a manager would not bother me in the slightest. There's goals I hear managers complaining about on Match of the Day and on sports scene where you're just like, come on. You know, when they're talking about yeah. you need to get closer to someone 35 yards out who puts one in the top the, the, the top bin. I yeah. see as a player, I'd switch off to that. It's a nonsense. Yeah. Yes, you could have got closer. But at the same time, the guy has put one in from 35 yards to the top bin. There's nothing yeah. you can do about that. So for me... The Rangers did gift them easy, easy possession, though. They did. To get, to get the shot away. They, they did, but he still put one, yeah. a, a wonder strike in. The second goal was another terrific strike. Now, if you're talking about uh, Braga and the fact that Rangers gave them a num- number of opportunities, then that's different. But what I'm trying to say is, there's goals you can stop. Yeah. And, you know, the St. Johnson game was goals you can stop. The Braga game, I don't think that's a worry. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's my general point about the way that they've defended. The way they've defended since the winter break is something that I think Stephen Gerrard will be w- looking at, scratching his head over. I mean, he said it in the post-match presser when he said... I've, I mean, I'm paid to get to the bottom of it, and I will get to the bottom of yeah. it. It needs to be dealt with. Listen, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and say, Aye. God, we've been saying it for long enough, that they need to sign winners. They need to know, they need to sign guys that know what it's like to win. So you see, like your Browns and McGregors and Forrest and that, who have been over the course. Where do you get them? But where do you, where do you get <laughs> I mean, so he's, he's went, the only other way you can go about it, by signing young, should-be-hungry players... Your Kents and Aribos and Katiches and Kamaras <coughs> and Morelos's, these guys should be absolutely busting a gut to become winners. 
but I think you've either got that in you or, or you've no. Um, these guys have come for clubs no as big as Rangers, we know as big uh, expectation, the pressure isn't as much, especially when it's you get down to talking about nine or ten in a row. So I think these players can either no, they can either handle it or they can't. And unfortunately for Gerard, there's a clutch of players that since the winter break when Rangers pretty much had it in their own hands, were in the driving seat, they had the momentum. These players had a chance to go and go and grab it, go and grasp it. And no, as I said before, I think that'll be the biggest worry for Gerard is that, that mentally these players have been unable to go and do that. See, from what I've, I've been saying, I've been putting together this idea or putting forward this argument that there is a number of factors that have come together and then it's become like a snowball effect of loss of confidence, loss of form, etc., etc. I was going to say, that's the one thing we've no mentioned is loss of confidence. And that has happened gradually since the winter break. And you're right, it's just making it worse. I mean, Katic probably is a prime example on Sunday because his performances since the break have got gradually worse. And Sunday was the culmination of that. We we know Katic is a better player than that. Of course we do. But the loss of confidence because of everything that we're we've spoken about and at the end of December they're the team everyone's talking about is potential you know, title winners they're going to stop nine in a row Gerrard's you know, worked it away of beating Celtic they've won at Parkhead for the first time in a decade they're absolutely on top of the world at that point the fact that they've let it slip and Celtic have just motored past teams as you've said that has resulted in the, the loss of confidence. And see when you get four or five players all at once struggling for confidence, you've got a couple of injuries and things aren't going your way, it can so quickly go the other way. And that's exactly what you've seen with, with Rangers. Yeah, I mean, you, you can't overemphasise it enough. But in this Rangers formation, without getting highfalutin about tactics, you don't need to. You just say there's three players that are more important than anyone else. Borna Barisic, James Tavernier, and Alfredo Morelos. Yep. If, if those guys' form falls off a cliff or they're injured, the whole team tips off its axis. And we've seen that Pretty live much. in action. Pretty much. Now it's a question of what he does to put that tip back and write it. Uh, and it's going to be interesting. Now, we're going to move on to discuss... Uh, the Braga game with uh, Andy Newport, who's out there in Portugal. Andy, how are you getting on? Uh, we seem to have brought the weather with us, Johnny. Um, it was glorious yesterday when I arrived um, from a, been actually been in Rome uh, covering Scotland Six Nations touchdown yesterday uh, about lunchtime. It's a hard glorious life. Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> um, glorious sort of sunshine, 20 degrees, but this morning it looks like a your typical Glasgow day. Grey, drizzly, cold, wet. So it should be um, no, no, no different from what uh, Rangers and are used to back home. Andy, you've just come out of the presser for Braga. How do they seem? Do they seem confident? Very, yeah. I mean, they've got sort of everyone was was talking about that they they firmly believe that they can they can get the the win that will get them through to to the last uh, sixteen stage. They, they they seem to be in fairly good mood. I mean, the the defeat last week against Rangers was was the first under um, Ruben Amaron, I think is his name, um, since he took over. So. Um, I think that came a bit of a shock to them because they've been playing really well. I think it was uh, 
eight wins out of nine games uh, since the new manager came in. Um, so that it caught, caught me a wee bit by surprise, but I think they rested a few players uh, over the weekend. But they, they seem to be fairly confident they can get a result uh, against Stephen Gerrard's Rangers tomorrow night. How, how do they feel, Andy, on reflection about the game at Ibrox? Did you kind of sense you know, that they've had a chance to look back at that in terms of the chances they you know they gave up to Rangers yeah. towards then? How, yeah. how do they feel about that now? Yeah, I think I think they realised that they made some serious mistakes in that last sort of fifteen twenty minutes. Yeah. When they sort of backed off and allowed Rangers to really get a, a foothold in the game. I don't expect they'll be doing anything other than coming right for Rangers from the off tomorrow night. And seem to be a real sort of bit of grit and determination about them. Um, the one thing that they were they were keen to stress was hoping that the fans will turn out. It's a bit of an unusual five pm kickoff tomorrow yeah. night. Um, I think obviously because they don't want the UEFA don't want the game to clash with the Champions League fixtures, so they're, they're kicking off early at five pm. Um, they're hoping that they're going to be about twenty thousand fans here. That includes the five thousand that have travelled over from Glasgow. They normally only get about ten thousand fans, but I think they saw the way that the crowd really drove Rangers on last week, and they, they want something similar. So the assistant manager was, was making a, a bit of a plea for the, the fans to turn out and give them that sort of big vocal support that can, you know, perhaps you know make the difference and, and allow them to get over the line. Because because if they don't, and you no know, knowing the amount of Rangers fans that are going over there, probably more than. 5,000, I mean, mm. that would be a nightmare scenario for Braga as it turns into, you know, it turns into like a home yeah. game for Rangers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was quite surprised. I mean, we, I say, me and a few other uh, colleagues uh, arrived sort of last night and um, there was already Rangers fans sort of coming in, taking over. I expect even more will be coming in today and tomorrow. Um, so, I mean, there could be quite a sizable sort of Rangers contingent here. And if, if they don't get that home backing from the fans of your right squad, I mean, it could be a bit of a, a sort of a Rangers home end sort of feel about the place. No, that really helped at McDermott Park. Uh, no, no, no I did see that game over the weekend. Um, I'm hoping that the, the, the pitch will be a bit better. We did ask. Um, the Braga guys about what we can expect from the playing stuff. I think Stephen Gerrard hinted um, last week before the first leg that he didn't think the Braga pitch here was, was too clever but um, they, they seem to, to believe that it's in, it's in pretty good shape and certainly better than it was uh, as often as it was at Ibrox. Mm. So in terms of the just general mood of the Portuguese uh, where, where are Braga seen Andy, um, just talking to people around the place, are they punching above their weight? Are they expected to do better than normal? Um, are they excited about this team? Certainly the form team in Portugal, I think, right now. I mean, if you look at the form since sort of Christmas, I mean, as I say, that was a, the defeat last week was their first defeat they've suffered this year. Um, they, they've beaten Porto, they beat Benfica. Um, in the Stadium of Light for the first time in was it, 65 years. Yeah. Um, I think they'd be able to beat Sport in Lisbon. They've got they've won the, the Portuguese version of the, the sort of League Cup competition, so they are flying right now. And that's what Rangers really need to be to be wary of, I suppose, the way Rangers' confidence levels at the minute um, after what happened at the weekend. They're, you know, they're a bit erratic. I mean, again, they looked pretty flat for the first sort of 45 minutes at Ibrox last week. Um, just that late sort of Yanis Hadji inspired turnaround sort of gave them a wee bit perked them up a wee bit um, the fact that they then let that momentum again slip uh, at the weekend I think the, the Braga the team will be thinking that the Rangers are, are there for the, for the taking in that sense In terms of uh, Braga Scott impressive in a lot of ways but also jeezy peeps Rangers got at them and that was Rangers not playing particularly well they play a very very high line Johnny, they give you chances. I mean, that was the one thing that I, I took away for the 
the Benfica away game when I was over there, albeit the 1-1-0, a historic result for them, not a great result against a very good team. But my God, no, they give they give you chances, give you opportunities to score the way they play. So attack-minded, uh, so hell-bent on playing out for the back, no, as they showed at times at Ibrox when they were really impressive during that first half. But the line they play is so high, I don't expect it'll be any different. Uh, on Wednesday night and I actually think it's there for Rangers I mean, despite everything we've said Andy's right in terms of confidence Braga should be way ahead of Rangers um, just in terms of obviously where Rangers are domestically No, but you have to say if, if you're talking about confidence on a, on a European level no, Rangers have been have been terrific all, all season and especially maybe not especially but going away from home no, they've been very confident of taking anybody on, no, going to Porto and scoring and going to Feyenoord and, and getting a good result. So Rangers, in a European sense, I think will actually, or should actually fancy going there, knowing that this team is going to come out and have a real go and play the high line. If Steven Gerrard can get the tactics right, and obviously they defend a hundred times better than they did at McDermott Park uh, at the weekend, I actually think this tie is there for Rangers um, if they can go about it the right way. Andy, I deliberately didn't bring up Florian Camberry's performance <laughs> at St. Johnson because I wanted to touch on what looks to be his certain involvement uh, over in Portugal on Wednesday. How big an impact has he made so far and do you think he's tailor-made to exploit this issue with the high line? Yeah, I mean, he, he gives sort of a, a sort of physical presence. So suppose you can just... View him as a bit of a target man, but I think he's a lot more than that. He's, he's actually quite clever and he's, he's got good feet and he's, he's fairly quick for a big lad as well. So, I mean, I think Scott's absolutely right. I mean, at times you couldn't believe how easy it was for Rangers to bypass their back four. It was just literally dump a ball over the back of the top of them and they were really slow to get turned and get behind. And Rangers were able to get in in the back of them maybe three, four times in that first half, especially at Ibrox. So, Camberry, I mean, it's going to be, you know, there's going to be a bit of pressure on him, you know, as much as Morelos has been off the boil since the turn of the year, but he's been real, Rangers' real talisman in Europe, I mean, without his goals, it's, it's doubtful whether they would even be at this stage of the competition, but Camberry um, certainly took his chance at the weekend, great finish for the for the first goal, equaliser, and what a set up for Joe Aribo as well, um, it's a big chance for him, you know, if, if Morelos isn't firing right now. This could be a real opening for Camberry to show that he's maybe the guy to, to sort of you know lead the line for Rangers in these final few weeks of the season. Uh, Andy, just just on that, me and Scott discussed earlier about Gerard's obvious frustration. Did you sense that too from the McD- McDermott Park game the, and the images that you saw coming in? Yeah, I mean you can just see the sort of frustration as the the goals go in. Um, the thing that the thing the thing that will really irk Stephen Gerrard the most is that these are mistakes that have been made repeatedly over his time at the club. I mean, long, straight balls from back to front, just not dealt with. I mean, both goals basically come from punts up the park. I mean, it's absolutely basic schoolboy football. Just go and head it away, cleared lines and go up the park. And Rangers, especially the last few weeks, Kilmarnock can uh, obviously the game uh, on Sunday there, have seemed absolutely capable of dealing with it. And it's, it's, it's cost them, you know, it's cost them their shot at a league title. And it'll be something that you know, I think Stephen Jarrod will really come to regret um, over the, the last few months of that season. Scott, is there, is there a s- I was just going to say, in a really bad couple of weeks, Johnny Camberry 
has actually been one of the very few positives for him, uh, for Gerard, because I think his impact uh, in the last couple of games will probably have even exceeded uh, Stephen Gerrard's expectations of what he might actually bring to this Rangers team. Um, and I think with Morelos out, if Camberry hadn't had this impact, particularly on Sunday, Gerard, I think, would have been tempted to go away uh, Ryan Kent up top against Braga away from home just for his pace, just for what we were talking about, you know, the high line, getting in behind him. I think he would have felt it was there all day. But I think uh, I think Camberry's performance in Perth has made him no, has made it a no-brainer for him. He has to play him as the, as the main striker. And he hasn't got the blistering pace that maybe I can't... Um, or others have, but I agree with Andy. I actually don't think he is just a you know, a target man that you just hit and try and get up the pitch. I think, as Andy says, he is clever. He drops off. He's got good feet. He can bring others into play. Um, and again, I think that will be one of the. Uh, you no, know, Stephen Gerrard hasn't got a lot of reasons to be optimistic at the moment. The way the way they've been playing, but I think Camberry's sudden kind of burst of form coming off the bench. We'll, we'll give him a wee bit of a hope getting into, getting into Wednesday night. I think he'll definitely start up front and it'll, it'll be Kent and Hadji either side. And I think if Camberry plays with that confidence that he had, he looks like a guy who really wants to impress, who really wants to make sure he gets a deal there at the end of the season and stays at Rangers. If he takes the, the, the performance for McDermott Park into Wednesday night, can drop off and bring your Kents and Hadjis and others into play and get in behind them. I think they'll get uh, they could get some real joy. I just wonder also, Scott, if if Kimberry can get a, a you know grab hold of a starting slot and keep it for a few weeks, uh, whether Gerard might be tempted to experiment a wee bit with with him and Dujic. I mean, the four. I mean, I think the four times this season um, has needed a partner. Yeah, exactly. And you know, if you if you speak to Hibs fans, they seem to suggest that. Camberry was definitely better when he had somebody up alongside yeah. him. So once you can get the four fit, and if you can perhaps um, get the two of them working together, that might be something else that gives a wee bit, a wee bit of optimism, um, a sort of dark time for the club um, going into these final few weeks. Well, well, I wonder, Andy, what you're touching on there, what that would mean for Morelos. Uh, do you think Gerard has got to a stage where he might leave Morelos out for a couple of weeks and just say, you know what, you need to concentrate on getting yourself back in sharp and you, you, you're just going to have to take the next wee while thinking about your performances and where you're at, get your head cleared and come back firing. He certainly looks like somebody who could do with a break. I mean, obviously we've, we all know it's the sort of stuff that's been on off the park with him. He's, he's found himself under quite a bit of scrutiny and not for his football and um, it, it just doesn't look like he's... Let's say heads in the right place, but it doesn't look like he's he's able to get his best performances out. Obviously, so you know, it might notice it might be a bit of savvy management if you just take him out the firing line a wee bit. Obviously, the team's not performing well at the moment. He's your focal point, um, and when if your main striker's not not firing, and you're a team that you know is largely pretty reliant on him, then it, it doesn't spell uh, good news. So for his sake, and you know, Rangers obviously I think we've still got high hopes that they can maybe cash in on them at some stage and, and realise some of the financial poten- potential from from Rails uh, if they want to do some business in the summer then they could really do with him getting a wee bit of form back before the end of the season just to remind people of how good he is The problem with that Johnny is they need Morelos at Tynecastle next 
Saturday because Camberry will be cup tied. So, no, do you really want to say it, Morelos? I'm, take, I'm taking you out for a couple of weeks. No, maybe confident gets dented even further. I mean, irrespective of what Camberry does on Wednesday, Morelos will be back in for Tynecastle. And, no, he's played well at Tynecastle before. He obviously likes that. No, he likes the physical battle you get there. It didn't work for Rangers with the four uh, up top uh, against Hearts before in the in the last game. So, listen, they're going to need Morelos. Uh, loss of forum, I know. Next Saturday at Tynecastle, absolutely crucial. No, effectively, Rangers' domestic season depends on that uh, on the outcome of that game. So, they're going to need Morelos to put in a big performance uh, next week. Andy, we know that the, the league is essentially now over. Uh, we've got these two cups, the Europa League and the Scottish Cup. What, what do you think Stephen Gerrard is now hoping for out this season beyond the obvious winning both competitions, with, with the winning of the Europa League highly unlikely, but what can he build towards that will give people the confidence that he can go and stop 10 in a row next season? What do you think he needs to look at? Where do you think he needs to think about strengthening? What are the big picture issues for Stephen Gerrard going forward now? Certainly, at the minute, the centre back situation needs to be addressed. I mean, we've spoken previously in my appearances on the podcast about Katic and his potential, um, but also the obvious sort of flaws in his makeup, that desperation to go and you know be physical and get up against opponents when perhaps he would be better suited just showing a wee bit of um, composure and. You know, try to read the game a wee bit better and that's sort of let them down at the minute um, I think obviously they do need to find a way to you know if, if Morelos is going to go they'll need to find somebody who can score the, the volume of goals that he scored but I suppose it's a wee bit like at the end of last season when, once the league title was gone then you know they did hit a wee bit of purple patch of form towards the end of the season and gave them a wee bit of belief that yeah they, they could carry that on in the summer and the next season but I think the worry will be for Rangers is that this is basically just a repeat of, of of last season happened again this time, and is it just going to be the same sort of script repeated? I mean, does, does something more fundamental need to change in the team? Um, they are still the big concern, I suppose, is that the way that they start games at the minute is, is so pedestrian and laboured that it's just giving teams time to get settled into games, find their shape, and then make themselves really hard to break down. And Rangers don't seem to have the imagination, so. Do they have to go and, and open, uh, look, look at other avenues to, to bring a wee bit more creativity into the side? That, that I suppose that'll be the big sort of questions facing Stephen Gerrard over the last sort of three or four months of the season. Listen, the, the season could be over come next Saturday. Like the entire campaign could be over come next Saturday if they lose to Braga and lose to Hearts. Um, two old firm games to go, granted, but. In the grand scheme of things, you know, like Andy said they, they won a couple of old firm games towards the end of his first season um, that kind of boosted confidence and gave people a bit of hope, but that's not really going to wash anymore because you no, know, they've failed when it's came to the big, um, the big important games in terms of putting in a title challenge when it was there for them. So, I mean, you're asking about the bigger picture. Is the bigger picture, if it goes wrong for them this week, is you no. Know, Stephen Gerrard's future, he will come under major pressure you know, between next Saturday and the end of the season as to whether he's going to carry on for a third season after two uh, two trophyless years. Um, personally, I would stick with him, I agree with you. I think Rangers 
should stick with him. I think they probably will stick with him, given you know, they're given a, a new lengthy contract, and there has been in the background a lot of positives, a lot of gains, you know, whether it be points, progression in Europe, um, you no know, standards about the place. We've spoke about all of that, but ultimately. It's about winning trophies, and I, and I touched on it last week, Johnny. I think Stephen Gerrard will start uh, a third season in charge of Rangers, um, no matter what happens uh, between now and the end of this campaign. However, when it gets to the start of next season, if that's the case, he'll no, he'll face pressure that he's never faced before, even in his in his playing days and. Any sort of early slip up, you no, know, if Rangers are going to stop or try and stop ten in a row, and it'd be difficult to see him come back from. Andy, one of the things Stephen Gerrard talked about was when when he was pressurised about his reaction to games and this perceived propensity of his to throw players under the bus. He talked about his own authenticity and how he wanted to present himself in the proper way, and it was about being honest. And uh, I'd never really thought about it before, but I read a column by our colleague Gordon Waddle who talked about how he felt that in some ways Gerard was still acting like a captain as opposed to a manager. And I wonder if this is a bit of an example of it. Um, should he be a little bit more manipulative, a little bit more of an agitator and kind of realise that being a manager and being a leader it's slightly different from being a captain and sometimes you have to hit pressure points, sometimes you have to try and change the narrative or uh, give a player a boost or a kick in terms of the way you use the media. You look at Sir Alex Ferguson, you know, authenticity is not a word that I would think of when I was thinking about Alex Ferguson, but yet he was, in terms of the way he dealt with the press, but he was one of the most successful managers. Is that a fair question to ask? Yeah, I mean, I suppose... He's got available to him at the club um, one of the sort of past masters at that sort of you know changing the narrative and, and using using the press to send the message that you want to send and that 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 being Walter Smith you know he's a guy who used to to do that expertly sort of week in week out just to protect players and take the heat off them. I think the difficulty with, with Steve Jarrod is that this time you know, he's, he's had to come in and rebuild a football club um, and it's, in order to get the club to the levels it needs to be. A few home truths do need to be sold. You can't have, in order to challenge a Celtic team that are so dominant and so used to winning, you can't have guys slacking off because the simple fact is that at the moment Celtic aren't doing that. You have to match them in every single department. And I, I, I sort of admire what Stephen Gerrard's trying to do. He's trying to drag a football club up by its bootstraps. And I think he's been frustrated that some people aren't sort of hitting the levels that they should be hitting. And, that's that's what's coming through in his comments. Yeah, he could perhaps be a wee bit cuter with his with his criticism, but end of the day, this is Glasgow. Rangers fans are hugely demanding. They've got huge expectations. We want them from their team, and this season of all seasons. And I don't think, as far as Stephen Gerrard's concerned, they've got any sort of room for some for niceties or for for sort of sugarcoating the messages they put out. He. he firmly believes that things have to be done better if they're to make uh, the kind of strides that they need to make. I totally agree with Andy. Johnny, I don't have an issue at all with Stephen Gerrard calling out players or being critical of players. Um, I think think between December 29th and now, these players have let them down, no, big time. Um, And I don't quite understand how protecting them... um, 
would help Rangers. Um, I mean, if the players have got a, after a performance like Sunday, like a defensive performance like Sunday, I mean, if Katic or Goldson have got an issue with their manager, we're calling out a poor performance. I think it says more about them and their character and their mentality if they've got an issue with that, knowing how badly they've played um, in such a, an important game. I must admit, no, like Andy, I love Gerard's honesty and authenticity, whatever you want to call it. I've said it a lot on here. I think he's brilliant after games because he calls it as he sees it. No, he's not like a lot of managers who try and pull the wool over your eyes uh, when performances haven't been great. Of course, no, there's times where you need to be a, no, a wee bit cute about it. But listen, no, we're talking about how well Neil Lennon's uh, done at Celtic this season. There were times during Neil Lennon's first spell as manager of Celtic where he filleted Celtic players in public. I think the one that sticks in my mind is uh, after the loss to Ross County at Hamden in the, the, the Cup semi-final. He did it when he was Hibs manager. No, a Hibs team that had really good players. No, John McGinn and people like that in it. I remember a game away to Wraith Rovers with Hibs when he absolutely slaughtered them after the game, rightly or wrongly. I think... No, nine times out of ten, that will get a positive reaction uh, for players. And it's certainly not done Neil Lennon any harm. You're talking about Sir Alec Ferguson, who no, famously stood in the pitch at Hamden after Aberdeen had won, had won a cup and slaughtered some of his, his players for their, for their performance. It's a different generation, though. Oh, of course. I mean, it's, it's apples and oranges, isn't it? I mean, like, no, Sir Alex Ferguson later said, I shouldn't have done that. Willie Miller has spoken often about how the, the players were still raging. Worked. Still worked though. No, those players didn't let up after that. Um, and I know what you're saying, it is a different era, but I think they're still... I, I don't think they'll ever get to a point where there's no... Uh, no, there's there's no enough room for a bit of honesty and a bit of... Um, no, kind of brutal truth when it comes to players and their, and their performances. Um, and I think... As I say, listen, there's a, you can cross a line at times. You wouldn't want to do it every week because it then just becomes repetitive. And I don't think Gerard, in the main, has done that. Um, but certainly, no, coming out after a couple of these post-winter uh, break games and saying it's no good enough and it's unacceptable and he'll need to find solutions, um, I don't have a problem with that at all. I suppose it's honest. Right, guys, we're going to have to call it a day there. Thank you, Andy, for joining us. Go back and enjoy your drab, grey yes, Portuguese, Portuguese drizzle. drizzle. Yes. I'm sure you uh, can sense your uh, <laughs> authenticity coming through <laughs> the, the, the phone line there. Okay, if you want to continue the debate, I'm on Twitter at Johnny R. McFarlane. Scott is at Scott McDermott A. And Andy, I'm going to put you under the spot. Light. Andy, Andy Newport, PA. Andy Newport, PA. Terrific. You can uh, go on to iTunes and give us a five-star review if you wish, and we'd really, really appreciate that as that helps us get the podcast to as many listeners as possible. You can keep up to date with all the Rangers news as it happens on www.dailyrecord.co.uk. We'll have everything about the forthcoming game against Braga, including a live blog for the game itself. So until next time, guys, thanks for listening.